Hello and welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and as you know by now, I interview people from Saigon, Vietnam, and all around the country and the world, actually, about what they do, why, their hobbies, pursuits, passions, and more. And today, I am delighted to welcome back a recurring guest, it's Chelsea Gallagher, (laughs) and I'm also welcoming Hope. We are going to discuss an LGBTQ book club initiative that is here in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and also other examples of safe spaces and communities related to this topic around the city. Chelsea, Hope, welcome. How are we? Good. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Great to have you back, first of all, Chelsea, and great to have you for the first time, Hope. I I suppose, like, let's just dive straight into it. Um, The book club, what is it called? How did it start? What's it all about? Who can tell me more? Our friend, our mutual friend, Derek J, who is a, or say some people would say he's a fixture in the LGBT and F and B community here in Saigon, opened a cafe on Kahung Dao, which is called Pride Cafe, and he had been toying with this idea for a while of starting a book club, and he asked me if I would be interested in leading a queer focused book club, uh, in line with Pride's values, and then Chelsea was also, of course, super down for that. <laughs> so we kind of teamed up uh, almost right away, yeah, like two beginning. weeks in, mm-hmm. and started to plan it right before the second serious lockdown. lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Right, see, so when did this start, do you remember? Around so it originally started, no. the in-person meeting started in October, but book club was first form- formatted in April. So it started as a Facebook page, and then we... Uh, put it out on queer girls, LGBTQ people of Saigon, and then also, um, I think that was it. I think that's, those are the two main places that we broadcasted it on. And then we were saying, if there's any interest, if you want to read one queer book a month and then meet up to discuss it, we're going to start doing this. And we, I mean, we didn't really have more of a game plan than that. Um, and then that started in April. We started having a discussion on the Facebook page about when everyone would be free to meet, what everyone looked like schedule-wise, and then of course we like started having restrictions. So it wasn't yeah. until one of our uh, members that is no longer in Saigon, Rita, was like, why don't we meet online, that we even thought about meeting online. So we did end up starting online and we had a really nice, I think it was a weekly hang, yeah. A monthly, weekly, bi-weekly hang over the lockdown where we just got to chat with, you know, queer friends about books and or anything else that was really going on at the time. And then it kind of had a nice momentum to go into an actual physical meetup when restrictions had lifted. So our first physical meetup was, I believe, in October. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that, we do a monthly meeting. Um we pick a book after the last one is finished when we have our meeting for the month and then we do a poll for the community poll on our Facebook group mm-hmm. which if anyone's interested in joining you can find us at Queer Book Club um, they're just like two or three questions so if you want to join us to answer and then <laughs> nice little plug <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah I mean we want people to come out it would be really we do. nice yeah. and right now currently we're meeting weekends Saturday afternoons Saturday at um, three once a month and our last theme was 
historical fiction, right? Yeah. You just finished a historical fiction, and now we're moving into a fantasy fiction specific to a, a men-loving-men character theme. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about the theme. Is it specifically queer literature? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> queer literature for queer people. That yeah. is one of our guidelines. Um, of course, we respect and love our allies, but you know there just are so many spaces that are shared already that we really like if you know as even queer people sometimes don't have education about their own community of the different like there are so many new um, identities and new definitions mm -hmm. and I think it feels really important to have a safe space for people to if we have questions we're reading like for example our first book was uh, Detransition Baby which is a really interesting book which is kind of like what it sounds like it's about someone who decides to detransition and their former partner who is still living as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in our community are a little older and they still haven't really gotten up on those trans issues. So it was really nice to be able to feel safe within the group to talk mm -hmm. about openly about things that we didn't know and inform each other and be like kind of a community education. Yeah. And then also the club is a really nice chance for people who haven't read Queer Lit before. They don't think it exists past like, um, things that maybe fall into that realm but aren't written specifically for our experiences. So like one of our members, Alex, was uh, so enthusiastic about one of our lowest scoring books yeah. just because it was the first time they had read a queer literature that was set in a historical uh, a fiction background and they were just like, this is incredible, like everything about this book was great and the rest of the group was like, no, <laughs> this is not a great book. Like we didn't enjoy it, but Alex was just thrilled to see another non-binary and also kind of someone dealing with a gender uh, journey while reading a book. It just hadn't fallen into their lap before. So it's kind of really nice to see those moments too, or to like expand past, like uh, some, one of our members is really passionate about the movie Carol and the <laughs> book that it comes from. We did the, read it. We did read it. She we read keeps the, asking us to read it. We have read it. We and there's it. a lot more uh, women-loving women relationship literature that exists outside of A Price of Salt. Yes. Right. It's yeah. an excellent book if, anyone, if you're considering reading it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering about, like, is it being advertised where... Like you mentioned, this might not have been, I suppose, given to people before. This might be a broad question. Are queer literature books more prominent now than maybe they used to be, or what's the take here? I would say so. Yeah, I would say definitely due to social media. It also depends, I guess, you know, I guess this is a hot topic for a lot of people, but algorithmically, if you're online, you're only going to be fed what you're interested in. Mm. Of course, both of us are interested in queer stuff, so I feel like I'm surrounded by it all the time, every time I get online. So maybe it's about what people are choosing to expose themselves to or maybe it's I think it's a lot more easy to find like I think I think you, there's a lot more also being printed and I, I think, think that was part of the problem sorry yeah, and the ability okay. to be um and also the ability for a lot of businesses to be more open about I mean this isn't like I mean obviously it's been at least a decade or two where people have been more comfortable in being openly queer and openly queer business so I feel like it's a lot easier for people who maybe are just a part of the community or just allies to also see that that's available to them if they're interested. Mm -hmm. I know Saigon itself doesn't really have a lot of indie bookstores or anything, but I know there's a lot of initiative in other countries to kind of have like featured 
literature. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a, a movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for my own experience, I wasn't reading any queer lit before the idea of queer book club, but I also came out late in life, so I wasn't looking for like similar journeys to match. And then as soon as you type in to Google queer literature, it has thousands of results and half the fun of book club for me is also getting to research the books for the poll every month so we'll kind of get like a general theme from the group and then i get to go out on the internet and be like oh this book sounds good and this book sounds good or any recommendations like you know some members of our group give us great recommendations that end up getting picked by the group and Mm. that's awesome but yeah it's like if you if you're looking at reading as a form of just pleasure, then you might just go through mainstream literature. But then if you're trying to tailor it to also seeing more of yourself within what you're reading, then you can ex- experience and expand it a little bit Yeah, more. absolutely. And no, I can see kind of the link there from reading for personal experience and getting some kind of, I guess, better understanding or clarity, mm. perhaps through characters or any other way of exploration. Yeah. And then... Same with film, there's a really traditional kind of arc where it doesn't end well. Like where if you have a queer theme or a gay theme or a lesbian theme or uh, someone that's curious and exploring, it normally only starts from something tragic or breaks up a serious relationship in the process of them exploring. And then it just ends really badly because of how it started. So a lot of the books that we've read have had these really gorgeous, positive reinforcement endings where, you know, at the start of the day, we're all people and then those people will have relationships and relationships have natural trajectories and stuff, but they can end positively. Like you can be gay and have a positive, loving relationship that doesn't start from trauma or tragedy. Like right, it yeah, does yeah. just happen very naturally and positively as well. Yeah, to that point, I think that that was another reason I think a lot of people haven't explored queer literature. Mm-hmm. There has been, you know, obviously historically a limited amount. I mean, there are older books that are definitely queer-coded, but it's, like, hidden by yeah. authors for obvious reasons. Yeah, like, the and, author wasn't out. And the yeah. only acceptable narratives were ones where basically the gays were punished, so yeah. like Chelsea is talking about. So now you... We actually had a... I wanted to kind of hinge off that. We had a, a problem at the beginning where a lot of the books we were reading were young adult um, because the most positive ones are the young adult novels because I think a lot of people are publishing... There's, I think, a ton. Yeah. Again, if you're looking for it, you'll probably find all of these books. But most of them that are happy or like more bright or more positive are written for teens, which is amazing for the young queer yeah, community. Like to but grow up at this age yeah, as a teenager with this much queer content, like <laughs> there was like, I accidentally found a book that was uh, a lesbian narrative when I was like in middle school, and I was like, oh my god, what is what this? What is this? I, like, I freaked out because it was so rare, and I was yeah. like, I don't know what to do with this because it was just it was disguised among all the other teen romances mm-hmm. and. I think now to have all these narratives that are available, it's great. But also as adults, I think it's hard for us sometimes to look for those adult narratives that mm. aren't ending in, like Chelsea said, yeah. or coming from a place of trauma and tragedy. Yeah, like even just in mainstream media, you know, Heartstopper, that Netflix series that came out like a month, two months ago or whatever, was it was just so healing for a lot of adults that didn't have those experiences coming up as they were teenagers. And being in a friend circle that was like encouraging and diverse and accepted that you know you were going to date 
who you felt attracted to and you didn't have to explain that to people. Like, it was incredible. I grew up in the age where if on a film a girl wanted to hook up with another woman, like, she was doing it more for the male gaze. Like, she was more of that rebellious girl. So she was a party girl and it was like, you know, the era of, like, cruel intentions. Yeah. And it gives you a lot of mixed messages about how you kind of own your sexuality and then who you're doing it for. And is, is it the right thing for you? Are you comfortable with your actions? Or are you doing it to please other people? So it was just like we're just coming into this really gorgeous age of um, heartwarming <laughs> and loving. And yeah, it's, it's so nice to see. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was wondering about the different themes that like we mentioned historical fiction and young adult. And as somebody who doesn't read Quillet, if you, you know, speak to me about it, I would probably make the assumption that it would be young adult stuff just I suppose due to some kind of naivety or ignorance, I would just assume mm -hmm. that it's about young adult coming out process. That would just be my guess if you said to me, what would you think it's about? But I can imagine there's quite a variety that you explore. Do you mind telling me a bit more about the different varieties than perhaps what you would stereotypically think? Um, well, for example, I guess one of the ones that we just did, which is a little probably more various, is we did uh, poetry collections, mm -hmm. which now obviously I think a lot of people would argue or say, you know, poetry is not for me, but it's one of the, <laughs> the biggest queer spaces. And I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of really amazing queer and LGBTQ plus yeah. people making collections now. And they're really amazing and not all of them are like super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we had just done that. So that's definitely a variety. Um, we were looking into some nonfiction books that were Queer memoirs, essays. Yeah, there's memoirs, graphic essays. novels. Yeah. There's um, there is a lot of. There's YA. a ton of sci-fi actually, yeah. um, which kind of makes sense if you think about it. It's like, yeah, because if you're living in another dimension where yeah, you feel like, safe, so you have to be authentic. Mm, uh, you have to be straight. It might not be in your world. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then, obviously, romance. Obviously, historical fiction. We covered. Yeah, I think there's yeah. something for everyone within the genres. I think it's about like picking out from that. I do say, like we were talking about earlier, it's a lot easier to find those young adult books. And I think there is kind of this concept that the the best or like the truest or the most representation of a queer story is the coming out journey, which for a lot of people, it's really important to see that because <clears throat> a lot of people don't have a great coming out. Yeah. And either it's to sympathize with another character or this fictional character that's having a hard time like they did or they have a great coming out and it's kind of getting to enjoy Maybe that experience yeah. yeah um but it is interesting because we have read a lot of books where coming out wasn't really a part of the narrative yeah. and we've it read was a lot just of like books a where the coming out's already happened yeah. so, so now we're focusing on their life and their you know what they're learning yeah. in the <laughs> the struggles with every relationship that humans just have building relationships with other humans <laughs> but I, would, I mean I guess thinking about it I would argue that all the young adult and other narratives that we see for adults it's the same kind of thing the same kind of story when yeah. did you realize you were in love with someone so is it really that unique I don't know I mean this is a I would side, say it's like a, a pretty common trope <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure but it's nice to see like life beyond coming out yeah, which mm. is important. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually if coming out is important in these types of works or really is it just a case of it doesn't necessarily matter, it's just about how you deal with perhaps the aftermath, if that makes sense. I think it depends on the book. Yeah, it really yeah. does. I think I would argue that a lot of them 
have coming out as a main part of the narrative. Yeah, or I guess maybe <clears throat> the coming out is like the char- like the, maybe the character hasn't come out to their family, but now they've fallen in love with this um, other character in the book. So then in order to pursue that, they need to be living authentically. Or maybe like in um, David Leviathan's book, it was just accepted that there was no coming out. The parents knew and it was openly discussed and the teenagers were being teenagers, but there was one character that hadn't come out and the parents were very against it due to uh, religion, religious reasons. So it's kind of, it, I mean, it's just, you know, as in real, real life, sometimes it's important to come out and sometimes it's not safe to come out and sometimes it can feel affirming to come out and sometimes it feels unnecessary and like you're giving a part of yourself away when you're coming out. So it's important to kind of see that different dialogue and that it's, you're not any less queer or gay if you don't come out mm-hmm. because you're still yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm wondering here about Say, for example, when you read books, I'm sure you two are probably similar to me, is in that certain books will bug you at points where you will look and think, that's not true. Or they've stereotyped (laughs) this, or they've mixed this up, or they've exaggerated this. What are some perhaps recurring bugs that you have, as in some themes that keep cropping up that just make you either cringe or that you just don't agree with or that bug you? Are there any that keep cropping up for you that stand out? I think sometimes a problem, and this is a problem in straight literature that deals with romance as well, is like where the, a lot of times the object of affection is really not that interesting. I'm just, maybe it's because the last book was really fresh in my mind. Mm. I just didn't find her love interest that interesting. The Light of Uncommon Stars. That, no, no. Oh, which one are you talking about? Uh, last Night at the Telegraph Club. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. she wasn't really like a character. And sometimes I feel like... Uh, she was bland. Yeah, but she... <laughs> I mean, it was very sweet, and I really enjoyed aspects yeah. of the story, but they didn't really get to know her. And I think sometimes the journey of the main character through their queerness and then dealing with their family and their background, mm-hmm. it, if that's part of the narrative, sometimes their romantic partner isn't as fleshed out, or they're, like, saintly and perfect. Right. Yes. Yeah. And you're working towards earning that person's affection, but which isn't a healthy dialogue that either. Straight yeah, that happens with yeah. a lot of people when you put anyone on a pedestal, yeah. but you shouldn't. Um, so but I guess that'd be mine. Yeah. I feel like that's, maybe I don't have something as specific, but that's what's so cool about uh, Queer Book Club is when we meet up once a month and then we get to discuss and everyone gets to highlight the things that they liked or the frustrations or what they wish were different. And then we also give it a rating. So we give it a rating out of five, and then we publish those ratings on the page so that if someone is new to the club later on or missed a book or wants to kind of get like a you know, overview of what they were reading or where it kind of falls, they can just go through the page and find, like at this point, over 12 book recommendations that fall into different categories and genres. But um, that came up a lot in that discussion where she was the main character was losing the presence of herself because we were focusing on too many other things going on around her and we wanted to know more about herself and how she felt when she was dealing with things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the other irritations are just sometimes, like, uh, a book might take liberties to speed something up when, like, just because, like, you know, it's a book, and you have a a plot line, and you don't have, like, a lot of time to, like, get there. But sometimes, like, I get annoyed when something gets sped up because I'm like, I wasn't ready for that. Or, like, we had one really awkward transition in She Who Became the Sun where 
like they were just I don't know it just went so quickly and I was like that's not realistic <laughs> like and I'm uncomfortable reading this um but yeah I guess that those are kind of my only things yeah so I guess <laughs> those are just general pet peeves I think for yeah. any kind of book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just as readers <laughs> when you close a book and you're just like furious with the author and you're like I could just sit down with this author and have yeah. a conversation <laughs> no absolutely I've had been there before but in different topics where mm. you just want to have that kind of venting space of kind of thinking why did you just edit like that or why yeah. did you not change this bit I suppose it's natural and on the contrary to my last question what have been some I suppose books related to queer lit that have really stood out for you really influenced you or that you really have enjoyed oh but I'm I'm just such a fangirl for queer lit I don't know <laughs> well, there's so many I, in your brain right I, now yeah, I think Chelsea I, is hard to ask because she's loves all the books yeah I mean I'm just a classic pansexual I can never make up my mind but I think I read a lot like I mean for me it's just been like it's just been so amazing like you know feeling authentic in myself and then reading all sorts of literature to make me feel more authentic and make me feel more um just connected even in my hobbies like you know you're seeing yourself in these pages and that's so important um but it's like I'll read so much more outside of the club as well and that's come up a couple times where if I don't like the book that we've chosen as a group but I like the two other books that are in the bowl I'll read the two other books in the bowl (laughs) and then I'll you know quickly skim the actual book for book club but it'll come up that other people will have similar experiences and they're like I couldn't not read that one book and you're like yeah yeah um, I think for me, and like if we're talking about the books that we've read for the book club, I think our first pick was very topical and really, um, I think everyone should read it if you're interested. It's kind of a tough book though. A Detransition Baby, like I mentioned before, as an example. Um, it's a phenomenal book. It's just very interesting. It deals with a lot of complicated concepts um, in regards to transness, and I think that one really affected me. Also, it's really cool to be able to share like my favorite books. So if I was the one who suggested poetry, and be, namely because I wanted to share my favorite poetry collection, yeah. which is Drag Here and Devastate Me by Megan Fowley. Incredible. Um, just a really, she writes in kind of a free verse, more modern style. So mm-hmm. it's pretty accessible if anyone is interested. Just really beautiful. Um, and it was, it's still something that I read when I was really young that really affected me and helped me feel more connected. She's bisexual and I'm bisexual connected to my own feelings that were kind of like played out on the page in such succinct and like really beautiful wording and having so many people in the globe like respond to that was really exciting Mm -hmm. um in regards to like queer literature in general I mean there's a lot of books that I really love um (laughs) uh right now I've just started a new book called it's on my back I can't remember what it's called (laughs) oh no acts of service and I'm really enjoying it um not a, I think a usual queer oh. narrative, but it might be a new favorite after this. Yeah. Yeah. Megan Fowley was such an amazing suggestion, and is also one half of the creative collective and her, uh, her partnership because their partner is also a poet. And I was already following Megan Fowley's partner on Instagram and didn't realize that they were romantically together and my mind just exploded thinking about like (laughs) living in this house with love and creativity and just like 
written word like all the time I was like I would not know what to do with myself like <laughs> so incredible <laughs> I am wondering here based on your experiences and that you're involved in book clubs and I know you're a freelance writer mm. would either of you ever write your own book related to queer literature I'm not uh, that that kind of writer I'm not a novel based writer um, so I do want to write a lot of essays specific to my own experiences and journeys romantic relationships, previous relationships. Um, and sometimes I dabble in a little bit of poetry if a partner has inspired me from something or other. Uh, but I would be more excited to publish a collection of essays than I would for a novel. Yeah. Absolutely. And yourself, Hope? Um, I've actually used to really love writing and then I got older and had to do like a lot of academic writing and just like kind of kicked that out of me. <laughs> but... Um, I recently have been trying to get back into it and was really inspired by one of my partners who's a poet uh, to write some poetry, mm-hmm. kind of like Chelsea's saying yeah. about her own love life. I know. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I also had just like this little idea that I've been working on actually just very recently, but oh. I'm not going to say anything in case I curse myself. So. No, okay. Fair point. And yeah. I'm, I suppose I kind of want to move on from like, the writing side of things to the event. Now, yeah. organizing events can be tricky in many regards like can I can you talk to me a bit about I suppose the logistics like how many people would you get on average how long does it take how does it work does everyone get their time to read the book do you all discuss chapter by chapter how does it work I think we were really lucky in the beginning it was pretty easy to organize uh, we were really lucky uh, primarily because I think a lot of uh, the strength of events here in the city has to do with like if you have a location a steady location that you can always meet at always at the same time. Um, I feel like a lot of events kind of fall apart or like community events fall apart here when there's not a set place mm-hmm. and time that you can rely on. Yeah. So luckily because we have pride to go to, that was yeah. never a problem. And it was really easy to organize on Facebook right away. We had a lot of people interested right away, mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And then the process itself, we have a whole month after we select the book to read so I mean a month is pretty fair I think most people if they're interested in the book can finish it by then yeah um, and we also provide a copy yes of um, the book. this is only because some of our members are Vietnamese and they may not have access to like an Amazon account or something like that I know that you anyone can get it now but just in case we don't mm-hmm. want any we want it to be accessible to, regardless yeah. of who people are when they're reading yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so any of our readers can have the book that mm-hmm. we're reading and then we have that time, and then we have meetings on Saturdays right now, which we have about, right now, on average, like 10 to... I would say on average, five to eight people come to a meeting. Right so now. I think in the Facebook group, in total, there's like just under 200 members. Yes. On usual, our polls will get anywhere between 20 to uh, 30 votes, depending on the book and genre and who takes part. And then we have a consistent base of at least five members and it fluctuates by about four three to four members every monthly meeting and um we'll meet up at pride cafe because the book club is like a pride cafe initiative yeah like so it will always exist at that cafe space and the cafe also has um a library section being formed with people that have donated uh, other queer literature or other literature uh, for the community and it's available in both Vietnamese and english so that's really good that if you're you know, new to reading Queer Lit, then you can read more in your spare time, or you can come to the cafe and have a coffee and browse some more books. Um, and so we'll meet for three, everyone you know, maybe get some wine, maybe get a tea, and then I would say the first 
40 minutes, depending on attendance, is spent with people giving their highs and lows and a rating. So we don't go chapter by chapter. We'll normally have a discussion and someone will start and say, this is what I liked about this book. And it'll resonate with other members that have attended and then they'll kind of be like, this is how I felt about that. So more focused on like uh, pivotal, like pivotal moments of the book or character development or things that we wish we had seen more of. Um, and then we'll kind of just go round table while everyone does that. And then after the book is discussed, it just turns into a really nice community hang. So you get to meet other queer folks that live in Saigon and also have a similar interest to you. And then you get to just kind of hang out at the cafe and you can chat, you know, the cafe's got board games, it's got um, different, you know, you can do drawing. The owner, Juan, actually does like a doodle experience. So you can kind of do a meditative doodle. Um, yeah, and you can hang out, make new friends, hopefully come back to the cafe for another coffee and feel kind of safe and secure in your community. So it lasts maybe, I think the full meeting itself will last like about hour and a half with the hang. Yeah. Hour and a half to two hours. We've had longer. Yeah. Way longer discussions. Yeah. It depends. I can imagine they can be quite yeah. passionate. Yeah. A little fiery. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think our biggest meeting was around 20 was that online though yeah yeah mm-hmm. but it was good yeah. um yeah that's definitely one of the things i want more people to come yeah we've considered since we have two members um and i can't always come i'm oh, sorry two organizers mm-hmm. and um since i can't always come to the afternoon saturday meetings having an additional meeting but mm-hmm. i don't really want to split the group up that's something for the future i don't think about. we would yeah for a separate yeah. side conversation for sure yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And now we've discussed kind of the events and the writing and the literature, I suppose a bit more broadly, as a lot of this podcast is focused on expat life here in Saigon, I wouldn't mind touching upon the LBGTQ community here in Saigon and other perhaps initiatives that take place. Like I've been to Gender Funk, I've been to House of Gore. I'm not too familiar with other things, but I have heard of Pride Cafe, despite not being there. <laughs> Can you tell me any more? Um, there's so much cool stuff happening right now. <laughs> there is. Yeah, no, there is. There um, is yeah. So, Especially, like, be a pride I mean, September. obviously, because Derek is one of my oldest friends here, almost eight years. Um, he um, has been very involved in the LGBTQ community, and I've also been exposed to a lot of these amazing business owners through him, so it's mm-hmm. been really interesting to get to know it outside of that. Um, there are lots of friendly spaces and a lot of ones that are becoming more grassroots and Vietnamese led, which is really amazing. I know a fixture in Taudin is Twist Cafe mm, yeah. um, and they just opened a bar called Barzinga mm-hmm. uh, and I'll let Chelsea talk about that a little bit more because I've been there I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, yeah, Fung has created an amazing space, a lot of potential for what she wants to do with the space and creative workshops um, so far every weekend since it's opened has had a drag show which has been incredible um, this past weekend was the house of illusion which was just stunning and gorgeous and I was absolutely thrilled uh, next weekend is actually a drag variety show so uh, Colonel Hyman and Sweet Potato are going to be doing comedy entertainment like games like it's going to be a, a whole big thing and I fucking love it um, so yeah, there's Twist, there's Barzinga, there's Pride Cafe, there's Next Level, Next Level, which is a video game bar that's... Queer shells and consoles. Yeah. yeah. A video game bar, it's not 
queer focus, but it's obviously a queer friendly space. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who are members of the queer community who, that hang out around there, play video games, mm. um, you know, and they have events. So if you're like less, if you are a queer person listening to this and you're less of like a extrovert drag kind of yeah. queer and you're more of like a, I like to play video games kind of queer, it's a good place to go and chill. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, some other events and things. I don't know. There's so many people who are LGBT that are just working in different parts of the community, like mm-hmm. um, the comedy shows. There mm-hmm. are several regular comics yeah, who are, Jack. yeah, yeah. Um, who are performing at the open mics and comedy shows, or even did Jack just do his first? He just did a little stint in the lab, I think. Yeah, Neil. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think it's hard to pinpoint like besides a few like the businesses like where the most events are happening because I feel like they're just kind of yeah. getting interwoven into all of the major <clears throat> events I think it's important to like tailor your lifestyle to things that you want to do and you want to be a part of and you know being gay you can really find gay space to do whatever you want <laughs> there's a um there's a gay badminton league yeah in Saigon they have yeah. um Saturdays I think yeah uh, there is, if you look on Facebook, the Saigon Gay Badminton group, yeah. um, they, they meet up. They definitely do. I've seen yeah, they're very, yeah. They're very active. Yeah, um, very active and a lot of... Uh, I saw... <laughs> um, there's some female-focused things, uh, female-identified-focused things, but um, I'm not sure if they're led by queer members or not. You're talking about the Volvo yeah. Pottery Workshop. Yeah, yeah, because that was posted in the LGBT group, yeah. so I wasn't sure if... I haven't done the workshop in much sure yeah. Um, but there's just, I think, what is really exciting, and I think actually for some expats that I've talked to who are visiting, uh, they are surprised and seemingly like very interested in the fact that on the whole, Vietnam is very tolerant. And mm-hmm. I would say tolerant is the word I would use because I would still say a lot of my friends who are Vietnamese struggle with some of their family acceptance. Mm-hmm. But what's nice here is that if you're gay or any identification, you you can still be out and in and in a part of events and leading those events and Mm -hmm. nobody really, I don't feel like people are really weird about it. Doesn't seem to be. It's interesting because like the, there was a change in the laws over the last lockdown where it's no longer, where gay marriage is no longer illegal or illegal. It's just, in a very neutral worded setting and so you can actually use um, marriages that have happened abroad to guarantee uh, partnership and citizenship legally here now which was brought up in the queer girls group in Saigon by the I think the organizer of that group but um so it's I would say that's kind of accurate like it's pretty neutral like I think in general we're all used to um, just the stare like but it's not because you're gay. It's just because like it's really freely open to just stare at the yeah. street and people around you here. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I think um, well, I guess going circling back to events um, yeah. is gender funk. Are they still doing events this month? Yeah, um, okay. yeah. I mean, I I don't have their calendar. That would be uh, Ricardo's. But yeah, I know there's definitely probably going to be 
something happening, if not this month, but September, because September has got the Viet Pride weekend. Yeah, I know. They just started yeah. up again for a mm-hmm. while. They were not after the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Not as much. Yeah, but we are happy they are back. Yes, yeah. it's wonderful. We love it. Um, and they, I think they even had like an international, you know, the last show at the yeah. observatory. I wasn't here, though. But uh, yeah. Lately, they've been, are they focused mostly on observatory now? From what I can see, yeah. So if anyone's wondering, Gender Funk is, uh, check out their Facebook page. Uh, most of their shows mm-hmm. since they've returned, mm-hmm. I have been held at Observatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking to interview Ricardo. I think in May or April, and that was excellent. It was great yeah. to see like the evolution of it and how yeah. it's grown. And he's also doing education now. He yeah. is, yeah, yeah. He's... Workshops and <clears throat> about gender, yeah. sex, consent, yeah. Quite a variety. That's also a good thing. Um, in regards to organizations, there are a lot of them. Um, a lot of them are mainly for Vietnamese mm. people, obviously, because of Vietnam. Um, but there are some organizations like the Asexual Alliance that is bilingual, oh. right? Liliana? Um, oh, is that? I, I don't know. Yeah. Liliana yeah. hasn't told me about it. Oh. Yeah. Um, I well, know there's like P-Flag, yeah. and there was the other organization that I was... Girls love girls. For, girls love girls, which is really big on uh, discussion for of uh, uh, domestic abuse. Yeah, um, which is great. And there's a new initiative um, for prep uh, the clinic. Yeah, yeah, to get education for the gay community. Mm-hmm. Um, which do you you know about prep, right? Uh, I know bits, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, there's quite a variety here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's. I mean, the the thing about talking about these, uh, like everything is. So much the community has some similar issues, but there are pockets of the community that have different things going on. I think the the biggest thing that you want to focus on is just you know finding that that found family within Zygon and a space that just feels safe for you to ask questions, get educated, learn about consent, learn about um, you know just because like you're in this relationship doesn't mean that anyone's entitled to anything that you don't want to give and what feels good for you and then finding those things that make you feel vibrant and alive in your identity and authentically so you know from badminton to drag like there's a broad spectrum of what people like to do and i also think that's one thing that expat members who come here and actually get involved and spend time with vietnamese members of the community can kind of contribute because i think coming from a cultures that are more open about talking about sex and sexuality, we have a lot more resources that we can share with people if they aren't familiar with anything mm-hmm. like that. And I think I've had some really great discussions about things that people didn't know about and mm-hmm. then also learning more about the culture here as well is great. Yeah. yeah. And just giving people a chance to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, before we get to the wrap-up stage and the final things of perhaps your future plans, uh, has there been a question that I have not asked you that you would have liked me to or you expected me to ask you? Not really. I don't think so. I like that. I yeah. Like that. <laughs> my ego's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's a new tradition I have just to, I suppose, put the guest in my shoes and just to see, but I'm glad we seem satisfied with what's been covered. Yeah. Final question is always quite similar. What are your future plans? Do you have any plans to... I think you mentioned something earlier about perhaps doing something different, but... Tell me whatever, uh, whatever is coming up. That's like a sidebar discussion for us, just to be yeah, honest. As, as organizers, <laughs> I think um, for me, I um, I think the expat community here is really amazing, and the fact that we get to take part in so much things, especially as queer people, 
Um, I think the other thing that I've been considering, which I actually want to talk to you about, um, I am a peer support facilitator. Um, I did peer support when I was in high school and in college. So I was thinking about starting a peer support group um, for primarily, um, well, really anyone, actually. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, I was hoping to start one that would be for LGBTQ members. Um, So peer support is basically members of the community who have similar experiences get together and share their experiences. It's like a support group, but you don't call it that because it's not clinically led and you can't do <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. okay. That's, Just be careful um, on wording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And you, the idea is to kind of form a community grassroots level where you can provide resources for each other and support. Because I feel mm-hmm. like one of the hardest things about moving abroad and living abroad is, and that's one great thing about if you are queer, you have a built-in community. If you can find it, like, yeah. you're like, if okay, you where it. can I find my place here? And then also if it's but, doing things that appeal to you. Yeah. yeah. So having, building another community resource would be, be really awesome. exciting for me. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And it ties in with everything that you're doing in school, too. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Really? So, Rachel. Uh, I don't know. I just, I'm... I'm super excited just to continue watching book club grow, uh, watch the success of the cafe. Yeah. Like it just, yeah, it fills me with a lot of joy every time we have this meeting and every time I see the cafe busy. I work there most days, so it's always nice to kind of see more people are there and yeah. taking part in the space and the growth and evolution and um, the different activities and events and everything that they're doing. They just had their first drag brunch. And it was a big success. So, yeah, just hats off to Derek and Juan for being able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to just continue to, yeah, on the path that we are and try yeah. to get more members is really the goal for the future. It's yeah. having more people join, more people reading, <laughs> more people feeling like they can join in an activity that doesn't necessarily have to do with, like, going out in nightlife, yeah. which I feel like is so much of our social life sometimes. Yeah. No, it's good just to kind of chill and hang out and you know, have a warm cup of tea and discuss a book. Yeah. Promote <laughs> yeah. more reading. Yeah. Yeah, signs of evolution, right? Going from the bars to yeah, a cup of tea and reading. Yeah. <laughs> Just a nice book on your day off. Yeah. It's a dichotomy. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Hope. I've really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed hearing about your experiences, what you've done, your events. Keep up the good work. I will include any links to your club in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you very much and see you next time. Thanks, Thanks Connor. Connor.